The worst thing you want to be is in a situation retirement on a fixed income and you have no extra cash flow because your mortgage is too high and you can't really enjoy to do the things you want to do. And that's really not what you know you, you set up for all those 40 plus years of working to be in retirement and, and not enjoy it. It's time for the Retirement Reality Podcast with the founder of Principal Preservation Services, Mike Koyanen. Welcome into the Retirement Reality Podcast. I am Ben George, joined as always by Mike Coynan, founder and owner at Principal Preservation Services, serving both Minnesota and Wisconsin. And today we're talking about your house, real estate, everything that the house has to do with your financial plan, retirement plan, all the main questions that I think people have when it comes to their house and properties and those assets. It's a very important asset. So we want to d- dedicate some time to that today. So let me welcome in Mike. How you doing? I'm doing great today, Ben. Uh, good start to, to the week here. Good. Glad to hear that. I know, um, you know, football started back up. You, you've been glad to see, uh, I know the Vikings off to a little slower start, but just in general, glad to see football back and, and the Vikings back in action. Yeah. It's, it's the, one of the, my favorite sports I like to watch. I don't really get into the baseball or, uh, NBA. So it is good to have football season. And, you know, it's interesting, I, I'm what, you know, how Tom Brady was playing for the um, yeah. Buccaneers. That's interesting. So I'm, I'm a general, you know, football fan, but I do like the Vikings. And yeah, they, they took a big L against the, uh, the Packers here in week one, but it is good to have football back. It's different having the, the sound pumped in for the, for the noise and no fans right. in the stadiums. That's, that's a little different. And, uh, uh, you don't really get the home field advantages like you used to uh, with the really loud uh, stadiums, which uh, U.S. Bank Stadium gets pretty loud, and so can a lot of other stadiums. So I don't know if there's really a. Uh, I think it's a it's a good time for other home uh, away teams to play mm-hmm. away at this time because there's really uh, no home field advantage. Yeah, no, I know. You know, when you're watching the TV, they do a really good job with the audio of of kind of piping in some crowd noise to the broadcast so you can't really mm-hmm. tell when they're shooting tight but I can't imagine what it's like to be in that stadium with nobody around just two teams playing in the middle of the field it's got to be wild if you just happen to be in there as a security guard or something just kind of watching it's got to be surreal yeah it's, it's different and you know be, being a season ticket holder and uh, uh, last year was our first year we had season tickets just to uh, be at the, the game and the experience because when the players come out and they have fireworks going off and the fans are getting there and the announcers getting them all pumped up and the music and um, there's a lot of adrenaline flowing and it makes a big difference uh, in I think in the play uh, when you're playing at home but I don't even think the the Vikings had one sack on Aaron Rodgers all day and so uh, that was definitely that doesn't happen ever I don't know if that's ever right. happened so uh, that, that's a big uh but hey, they play good. I'm not taking anything away from Packers. I think the Packers look a lot better than I thought they would look. So yeah, yeah, they look better than last year. Yeah, like that's a good start. But I'm, you know, I think everybody's just glad to see him back. Whether you're a Packers fan or Vikings fan, I know you work with both probably quite a bit. Yeah, um, it's just glad to have it back. But let's dive, jump into our our main topic today, Mike, and let's talk about the house. And you know, the idea I think behind this show is to really kind of get into real estate and. Get into your home because it's such a big asset for everybody. And for most people, it might be their biggest asset in their portfolio. So we want to really talk about how the house, or if you have multiple houses, how they fit into a retirement plan. So we're going to kind of hit everything, downsizing, rental properties, interest rates, a lot of those top questions I think that you get all the time today. Yeah. 
So let's jump in. Uh, start off with one I think a lot of people kind of are curious about as they get to retirement, especially right now because you know interest rates are still considerably lower than they ever are. So it's still a good time maybe to refinance or take advantage of those low rates. Do you feel it's better to go ahead and pay off the house as soon as possible? Go ahead and get that mortgage debt out of your life or enjoy these low rates and, and pay it off slowly? All depends on where you are in retirement. And so I'm a big fan of being debt free. So if you can have the mortgage paid off by the time you retire or maybe the first couple of years into retirement, I think that's the best plan. Um, so you're not paying anybody any debt. Uh, but there's been situations where clients are like, you know what, I already, you know, I refinanced like 10 years ago. So I have 20 years left or they, maybe they paid a little bit extra. So they have maybe 15 years left. And they said, I just, I'm going to be on a fixed income. I get, I just need to retire or maybe they're planning on retiring a little bit sooner than they, they fully anticipated. So they, in order to be able to afford to be in retirement, they've actually taken their route to refinance to a new 30-year mortgage, maybe getting a, a rate of you know 2.875 or 3%, which is a phenomenal rate, just to lower the payments. And I'm not opposed to that in the, those situations because if that's the way to be retired, and we're, we're looking at some of these mortgage payments of you know, $800, $1,200 a month, I go, you can't rent for that. That's, that's a reasonable payment. Um, and people have to do that because they know they're not going to have their house paid off, uh, you know, for a long time in retirement, whether it be, you know, 15 years or 20 years, and they need that cash flow on right away. So if you can plan to get your debt paid off uh, by retirement or within the first couple of years, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of being debt free. If you don't see that debt being paid off and you can use that cash flow, it's okay to do a, a refinance. Um, into a low interest rate to affordable payment that you can actually um, enjoy retirement because the, the worst thing you want to be is in a situation retirement on a fixed income and you have no extra cash flow because your mortgage is too high and you can't really enjoy to do the things you want to do and that's really not what you know you, you set up for all those 40 plus years of working to be in retirement and, and not enjoy it. Gotcha. So look at it, you know, plan it out, look and see your different options, what it looks like if you're debt free or if you have that payment and, and figure out what best, best fits you in right. that regard. Uh, all right. Downsizing. I know a lot of people think about downsizing in retirement for, for multiple reasons, right? You don't want to take care of as much house. Maybe uh, you don't need as much space or you want to downsize. So maybe you can pay it off, get a, get a, a smaller property that you can pay off quicker or take care of it all together. Uh, do you think it's wise to downsize to a smaller home once you reach retirement? You know, I think for the majority of, of clients uh, that I work with, they do want to downsize to a, a house that's more appropriate. And I guess I one realtor I work with here, uh, he, they, they don't like to call the, the, you know, use the word downsizing because it sounds as a negative connotation, like you're, uh, you know, it just doesn't sound right. So they call it right sizing. You want to be in the right size property at retirement. And um, so it's not a negative com connotation because the kids are out of the house and, and who knows, they, all your kids could be spread out and the grandkids all spread out as well. But then we have a lot of clients who have big families and they're close and they hold, they host all the birthdays and they host the, the holidays and they want to have that big property. So every situation is different. I would say the about two thirds, if I would to guess a percentage of, of clients want to be in, you know, maybe right before retirement or right after retirement, they've actually downsized. And maybe they've uh, had a big house here that they raise their kids and now they, they downsize to a house, paid out, paid cash for the new house and have some extra money to maybe they bought a, a condo down in Florida or something like that. 
So they're buying a couple properties with the with the same amount of uh, money in real estate they had before. So that's interesting to look at as well. But I just had a meeting last uh, Thursday, a Friday actually, um, last week with a client who has just a large property. They like the large property, but the upkeep on it is just a lot of work. And so, you know, big property, a lot of landscaping uh, on water, and it's just a lot of work. And as they're planning, uh, they're also planning what if the husband was the pass uh, before the spouse, before his wife, and she, he said she's not going to be able to maintain this. All this work is so much. So they're in the process of getting the house ready so they can actually sell it and actually find a property that's going to be lower maintenance as well. So that's another thing to consider. Well, when you talk about maintenance, Mike, the first thing I think about is rental properties. And when you're talking about, mm -hmm. you know, having houses or, or how a house fits into a retirement plan, you know, a lot of people think about rental properties or own rental properties and, you know, use that income. So what do you think? Is it a good idea for for someone to have a rental property in order to generate income? Kind of where do you stand on that? Yeah, it, I think that's, it is a good um you know, revenue source, you know, but what I'm, we're finding here is people in retirement, like, I don't want to keep maintaining that. I don't want to be actively involved. And, you know, a lot of the rental property owners, if you're, you know, you own a few properties, they get kind of burnt out. They get burnt out being that landlord and fixing up. And a lot of them are doing a lot of the handyman stuff themselves. And it just gets to be a lot. But then they look on the tax side of things and they think, well, boy, I've been depreciating this property for the last, you know, 20 years or 25 years, 30 years. Now I'm going to get loaded with taxes. And that's been a, a big deterrent. So um, there are ways uh, that you can lessen the tax burden out there that most people who own a lot of real estate uh, don't understand. But uh, there's a, a program called a, a DST, Delaware Statutory Trust, uh, that you can do a 1031 um, exchange into uh, non other property that you're not managing, somebody else is managing, and you can defer those taxes over several years and still receive payments from that and still have equity in real estate, but not stuff that you're having to <laughs> be actively managing. So it's a great option for people coming into retirement without having to be uh, still have income from real estate, but not actively managing it. All right. The last aspect of the house I want to talk about is uh, estate plan, because I know a lot of people, this is a big part of their estate plan and their legacy planning is they want to pass along a home or, you know, a lake house or a beach house or whatever it is off to their children or loved ones, whoever it is. But what complications can come up with this and arise? And what have you seen when somebody's trying to figure out how to handle their real estate within uh, their estate plan? Yeah, this is a whole whole bucket of, of possibilities here. And we've seen a lot of people make errors with their estate planning documents or lack of doing any documents. But uh, just getting back to, like you said, a lake house, what we're finding up here in the Midwest with you know Minnesota land of 10,000 lakes, there's more, I think, uh, shoreline in Minnesota than yeah, I think they said in both coasts combined in, in North America, uh, so Pacific and Atlantic coast. But the uh, what we're finding is a lot of the children are not interested in owning the cabins like mom and dad or, you know, grandpa, grandpa did. Uh, first of all, the prices have got a little crazy. Uh, it's The prices aren't what they used to be on lake homes. They've got to be, you know, high dollar. 
And so they can, either A, they can't afford it, and then plus they're not as interested being involved with the lake. We're just seeing less interest with this younger generation. So you know, when they're going to inherit it, so what's the proper way to transfer those, those properties uh, down uh, to the other generation? Uh, we see one big error is what people do is they add the kids' names to the title of the house. And so when they pass, the kids don't have to go through the probate courts. And the nice thing about that, they really don't have to go through probate courts. But when it comes to uh, putting your kids' names on the second home, like a cabin or even your own home, um, what's going to happen is it's not their primary house. They have to pay capital gains taxes on that money when they sell it. So it's, it's a big no-no. We don't recommend people doing things like that. The best thing to do is get a, a proper estate plan done. That's why we're a big fan of using either a, a trust, a revocable living trust, that you can actually transfer your real estate to your children uh, properly that way without having to worry about the capital gains issue. Or you can even use a transfer on death deed, which is a document that Minnesota and Wisconsin both uh, allow to file so you can transfer your real estate that way as well. So there's a whole a whole bunch we could talk about how, how to hit the complications with, with the real estate. But what we're finding is that younger generations that just have no interest in owning multiple properties like their parents or grandparents did. Yeah, it's interesting that so that more people aren't as interested in a lake home. Um, that's that's an interesting trend. I would think that you know people would would be excited about that type of thing or or want to get away. But you know, I guess everybody's different. Yeah, there's still people interested in it. But I think another thing is the fa- finances. Right. Um, you have to look back. Like you know, people my age, you know, their grandparents took one income to buy that cabin, and they could buy this cabin on water, and there was a lot of availability. But they built these. 600 to 900 you know square foot shacks you know little cabins they weren't extravagant now what people are doing they're knocking them down and building these you know houses that are actually sometimes nicer than their own house on their property their cabin is worth more Um, so financially is a big issue as well it's a big deterrent because lake property taxes are so expensive Um, and one thing that my generation and younger hasn't done very good is managing their debt load and they've actually probably they can't afford it anyways you know because they're strung out with student loan debt they're strung out with they max out credit cards and cars on payments and and you know mortgage you know they're not buying houses based off what they should afford but they on what's the maximum i can get you know max out your payment so uh, get the biggest house you can at the time. So it's a different mentality in general. You know, not everybody fits in that category, but it's it, it is I would say a, a general feeling that you know people who are under fifty years old and younger they're they haven't been the wisest with their money. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Uh, well, the house is important, and that's why we wanted to talk about it today. If you have any questions about how your house fits into this, whether or not you should pay off your mortgage, how that looks uh, in your retirement, all these different items, if you want to discuss these for you personally and how they fit, set up a time to meet with Mike and his team at Principal Preservation Services. They'd be happy to help you out with these decisions and, and help you lay out a plan to incorporate a rental property, that rental income, or how to pass along your uh, your property to your family or, or your children, however, whatever that discussion needs to be. Mike and his team can have it. You can find them online, principalpreservationservices.com is the website. A lot of great resources there as well. But you can call the office, 855-987-8888. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Time now for the mailbag. we got a couple of questions Mike want to get to today uh, from people that have been listening to the show that want to send in and get your input on some things they're concerned or curious about. So we'll start with Shelby. 
She says, I'm thinking that I'll spend a lot of money during the first few years of retirement and then a lot less after I've been retired for five years or so. Is that usually how it works? That's a, a pretty common occurrence and more than people probably think. But yeah, your first few years, that's the youngest you'll ever be in retirement and you want to take that to your advantage. And that's where people say, I really want to spend extra money to travel uh, or just do things that I, you know, I haven't had the time to do and you know, things that you've been dreaming about, but you can't, <laughs> haven't had the time because work is in the way, whether that's going to be golfing and some people want to golf in different, every state and certain uh, golf courses or travel and international travel. So that's a norm. And so it's good to make sure when you are, if that is your plan, that you actually have that planned in your retirement. And it's, uh, we rarely see other advisors out what, you know, I'm not, trying to pat myself on the back, but we, we can put this into our program and do the, the retirement planning for our clients to show you if you did that, this is what it looks like. And we can back it off five years later. Again, I, I think I might've mentioned before the first five to 10 years in retirement, you get the go-go years. And then the next, you know, five, you know, seven years, you get the slow-go years and then you get the no-go years. So we can adjust your expenses in retirement based off as you get older, you're going to spend a little less money. It's that, that's a, a very common occurrence. Thanks for that question, Shelby. Our, our next question comes in from Tristan. I'm in my late 50s and recently divorced, and I'm extremely worried about what retirement will look like now that I'll just have one Social Security benefit and half of my assets. Can I overcome a divorce this late in life? Absolutely. We see uh, a lot of this. Uh, a lot of people divorced after you know, 15, 20, 25 years. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. So it's, it's, it's tough to get through that, but yeah, you have to, it's more pressure on you to get it right. You know, when it's all on you, but you can do it. And so we've seen a lot of people start almost at scratch, you know, in their fifties. And so, you know, you probably uh, aren't going to be able to retire maybe at 62, most likely, I don't know exactly your assets are, but you know, when we look at full retirement age is going to be most likely in your 66, 67 years old, yeah, that gives you, you know, probably good eight years, maybe 10 years. And if you're maxing out those, if you have a 401k, a 401k contribution, you get an employer match, you can make a big jump to that. Um, and also these are your probably higher earning years. So remember your social security number is going to keep changing and they take the highest 35 earning years to determine what your benefit will be. So as you keep, the longer you work with those those higher years of income, you might have to work maybe an extra year or two, maybe then you maybe originally planned. Instead of maybe retiring at 65, you might have to work till 66 and a half or maybe 67. As long as you're disciplined with putting money aside, it's still very possible. Yeah. Tristan, thanks for that question and good luck to you. I definitely recommend you sit down and, and, and have those conversations because you know it's never too late. We talk about that all the time on the podcast. It's never too late to get your plan in order or to begin planning even for a lot of people. So don't fret that you know things are looking dire right now. Mike and his team can work with you. Any professional can sit down with you and, and build a plan that will, will help you overcome uh, that unfortunate situation. So thank you for that question. And again, yeah, thanks, thank for, you. thanks for everybody that sends in their questions online via the contact form there, principal preservationservices.com is the website, but you can also call Mike if you want to ask him questions directly or sit down and talk about your situation. 855-987-8888. All right, Mike, uh, the house is important. I'm glad we went through some things and I appreciate uh, the time today. Yeah, you're welcome. It was fun. We'll talk to you soon, Ben.
information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.